You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks supporter at The Athletic Wisconsin. And joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Men. And bringing you today's episode is Action Heat. Action Heat brings you the world's best battery-heated clothing, and they have a fantastic offer for you. If you go to actionheat.com slash lockdown, you can check out everything Action Heat has to offer, and you also get 20% off your entire order. Again, that's actionheat.com slash lockdown, or use a coupon code LOCKDOWN at checkout to save 20%. And Frank, I will ask you, uh, how you doing, buddy? Uh, you know, a little under the weather, if I sound... Uh, a little under the weather. It's because I am a little under the weather. Uh, but you know, it's December. These things happen. Uh, I have a ten-month-old who started sneezing and coughing last weekend, and lo and behold, now I am as well. So um, I'm blaming I'm blaming Matilda for this. Uh, but uh, yeah, wow, throwing throwing the baby under the bus. Um, but uh, <laughs> anyway, but you know, whatever. It's fine. Christmas is almost here. Good times. Um, and we, we, we teased, uh, speaking of Christmas and close to Christmas, uh, we teased the idea of doing a live pod on uh, Thursday, December 20th. And, well, we're almost at Thursday, December 20th, so it's probably about time that we confirm, yes, indeed, we are doing a live <laughs> pod on Thursday, December 20th. Are there any other details you can provide at this point? I think we're going to have more on Wednesday, right? Um, but anything else you'd, you'd want to throw out there that we, that we can confirm right now? Uh, sure. I would, I would love to confirm a few more details. Uh, we will be at Broken Bat Brewing Company, which is at 231 East Buffalo Street in Milwaukee. Uh, so over in the third ward, uh, for our friends that like burgers, uh, it's right across the street from Shake Shack, um, which if you haven't tried it in downtown Milwaukee, feel free to do so. Uh, and you can bring it into the bar. Uh, they don't have problems with you bringing in outside food. So go ahead and do that. Um, but we will do a live pod from Broken Bad Brewing Company on Thursday December 20th. So uh, as this podcast comes out eight days away, um, initially we were going to do uh, a, a ticket that you had to pay for five bucks and all of the the proceeds would go to the Mac fund um, or maybe a different charity. We're trying to figure out exactly which charity, but uh, we were thinking about doing that. We are no longer doing that. You can just walk in. It'll be a great time. Also, it sounds like our friends at Broken Bat are going to uh, put like 10% or, or something like that of beer sales for the night towards the Mac Fund or whatever charity we choose. So you'll be supporting a good, uh, you know, a good cause. Uh, I think that's always something Frank and I, uh, as we are trying to do, uh, as we are trying to contribute to uh, the Bucks Twitter landscape and the Bucks conversation, you know, try to do something good um, rather than just sit here and talk and uh, not do something good. So hopefully that'll do something good for the holidays. Um, but yeah, that'll be at Broken Bat, December 20th, 
That's a Thursday night. We're going to start at seven o'clock. And also we're going to have a very special guest, Frank Madden. Uh, do, do you know who it is? Are you, have you been told? Are you aware? Um, I'm sure once this pod comes out that our friend JJ Birch will, will um, campaign to be the special guest and talk about Mission Impossible. And, and movies, <laughs> but I know it is not JJ Birch. Uh, sorry, JJ. Um, well, I know who it is. Are you are, are you allowed to reveal it? I know we, we may have a couple, but we have at least one for sure. Um, are you are, is it is it? Can you reveal it? Is that something that can that can happen? No, I, I think I think we can. Um, we're gonna have hopefully a number of special guests. Hopefully, uh, a number of the the Bucks Twitter fam uh, will will stop by, and you'll get to see a number of them. Um, you know, w- hopefully that'll be the case. But also, uh, senior vice president with the Milwaukee Bucks, Alex Lazary, will be hanging out with us, and will be in front of a microphone. So that should end up being, I mean, I would think a lot of fun. I, I hope a lot of people um, are are interested in that. And uh, we'll kind of see how, how all of that goes. But yes, uh, December 20th, Broken Bad Brewing over at Buffalo Street in Milwaukee in the Third Ward. You, me, Alex Lazary, and hopefully a whole lot of Bucks fans, and hopefully we we fill the place up, have a lot of fun, and uh, in the end, drink some beers and raise some money for charity. That all sounds like a good idea to me. How are you feeling about it? That sounds fantastic. Um, I'm also uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can rustle up some some goodies to give away. Um, not candy. I, I love candy. Um, but maybe some Bucks related uh, kind of cool cool stuff. Um. So to be continued, I won't say what it is because I'm not sure if I can get it in time, <laughs> but I, I will do my best. Uh, <laughs> That's classic Locked on Bucks classic, uh, classic, stuff uh, right there. Classic, you know, non-committal Locked on Bucks, um, you know, do, <laughs> doing, doing, uh, making any effort to uh, plan something out is really going against the Locked on brand for us. Uh, so I mean, the fact know, that really we even just, figured out a date to do this, like yeah. that's that's quite the accomplishment for yeah, us. Yeah, exactly. And we were again, we were trying to th- we we're thinking about the 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 you know, like if we had to do tickets so that we knew how many people were coming, all that crap. Um, and so I'm glad that our broken bat friends were just like, ah, eh, whatever, just have people show up, and um, you know, hopefully uh, there are enough name cousins and uh, aunts and uncles that that we can you know fill up the fill up the place. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it should be fun. Um, we'll be talking. I'm, I'm, there's no game that day. So, um, I'm, I look forward to talking to people before and after. And if that's of interest to people or I'll just let you drink beers and not have to talk to me, that's also fine. Um, <laughs> so anyway, uh, all right, whatever. We were too lazy to pod. Speaking of laziness in our brand, uh, we were too lazy to pod yesterday. You were at the game. Uh, I was, uh, obviously not. Um, but also just, I, I very earnestly tweeted that that was um, kind of like the most unwatchable, not uninteresting Bucks game that's happened all year in a lot of ways. And the fact that uh, the fact that it was a game that the Bucks won extremely handily uh, without Giannis uh, is, I guess, kind of a, a good indicator of sort of where the Milwaukee Bucks are in the in the the you know almost 2019 space and the 2018 that. We we kind of just can you know see the Bucks win games pretty easily and granted this was against a really crappy Cavaliers team, um, but uh, we're you know we're, we don't we don't savor it in a way that that uh, I think speaks to that fact that we expect the Bucks to win these games and we expect the Bucks to do good things and um, again knock on wood there's a 
game coming up here in Indiana on Wednesday night that will be no pushover by any stretch. Um, but the Bucks, uh, I've had a hard time getting together like winning streaks of late. They've also not lost more than one game in a row. Uh, and coming off that Raptors when they beat the Cavs and take care of business. So, okay, good, you know. Well done. Move on, and um, I don't know. I don't. I don't have a ton of thoughts. Although it was perhaps mostly interesting, just because a lot of dudes who don't normally play had a chance to play, including some new faces and some faces that we don't normally see. I mean, first off, I would take umbrage with you calling me lazy for last night because I had neck soreness. Um, <laughs> so that was a very, uh, you know, it's a very reasonable reason for, for missing a podcast. So, um, I would like to start, no, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, I, it's, it's kind of funny before the game, I was talking to our good friend, Alex Boner and, you know, I said like one, uh, not, no Giannis on a back-to-back is really brutal. Um, especially like, and again, no, I mean, I'm going to say some woe is me stuff here and, you know, media starts with me. So whatever. Um, but you know, like after a day of travel, uh, and having some like flight delays and like working hard to get to the Bucks game on time and then Giannis not playing. And it's just like, really feels like I I didn't need to work that hard for this. And, and then you kind of see it. And I said, the one kind of disappointing thing was like, you know, last year, like a lot of the times, team would make teams would make it a game. They they would find a way when the Bucks had out Giannis. Like all of a sudden, it'd be like, "Oh my gosh, you need a Herculean effort from someone on the team, whether that's Eric Bledsoe, Chris Middleton, whatever it is." And like you knew that person was going to take both their own shots and then Giannis's shots, and uh, they're going to be jacking it up. And you know, the Bucks systems weren't strong enough to win a game. So they were going to need some really strong effort by, you know, the second or third uh, wheel on the team. And then it was like, okay, like maybe you'd see something interesting or something you hadn't seen from that player before. And this year it's just like, nope, system totally works. Um, no one's going to really take all that more, all that many more shots than they normally do. Everything's going to look just about the same. It's just going to look the same without Giannis. And, you know, that's kind of exactly what happened. Like, uh, uh, no one really had, a, I don't think, like a standout game. No one was really like taking all the shots or um, really putting up this like this huge number. It was just pretty much everyone's like, okay, Giannis is gone. We're gonna get we're gonna get threes the same way that we normally do, and we're gonna get to the basket. And you know, the Cavaliers are terrible, so everything will be fine. And you know, from the perspective of covering the game and thinking about the game, like that's kind of boring, but also at the same time, that's very good um, that things aren't so broken that uh, without Giannis, you could lose to a crappy team. Like without Giannis this year, the Bucks are just going to do this to crappy teams and uh, they don't get much crappier than the Celtics or uh, than the Cavaliers, excuse me. And yeah, like the, they just, they just took care of business last night and that was it. Yeah. And it got, it was, it was kind of weird because it actually got like, not close in the fourth quarter, but, you know, close enough that Mike Budenholzer, who had gone with really an extended, um, let's say an extended bench fairly early in the second half. Let's I, what, let me, DJ like, Wilson played in the second quarter, so you can even go yeah. earlier than that. Yeah. And then he kind of went into his, all right, this game's in hand um, when the lead was, you know, high twenties or whatever it was in the third quarter. And, um, and then he had to kind of reel it back in a little bit when the, when the Cavs got it back down to 11. So we saw Bledsoe and Middleton in the fourth quarter when maybe we wouldn't have wanted to see that. Um, 
and uh you know but still an interesting opportunity to see both uh you know Bledsoe and, and Brogdon were, were kind of the the stars of the show I think Bledsoe in the third quarter was like or sorry Brogdon in the third quarter was like six out of six and the rest of the Bucks were like four out of 16 or something to that effect. Yeah. So Brogdon really carried the load in the third quarter. Um, Bledsoe had a strong night overall. Uh, he joked, I think with, I think he was talking to Katie George after the game um, that uh, he joked about someone needing to pick up the rebounds that Giannis wasn't there to get. So he had a, a you know, I think 12 rebounds or something like that. So, um, you know, he had a game where he was kind of causing, causing his Bledsoe, uh, Bledsoe-esque havoc and um, scoring 20 points. I think he had five or six assists as well. Um, so Bledsoe did stuff, Brogdon did stuff and that kind of, uh, you know, definitely, um, compensated for, for Middleton in particular, really, really kind of his offensive struggles have sort of continued. I mean, maybe against the Raptors, that wasn't surprising given he was defended by Kawhi for much of the night, but really didn't get on track much, much more against the pretty bad Cavs team. Um, so still kind of waiting for, for Chris to get out of his offensive funk. We talked about, you know, the, some of the really nice defense he played last weekend uh, against Durant and, and Kawhi, but um, offensively, maybe not uh, certainly all there yet, but hopefully that is, is not far off. Um, but, you know, this is again, the the benefit of having a team that has, you know, really four guys who on any given night can just kind of, you know, get you 20 points. Um, and whether it's Brogdon, Bledsoe, Middleton, or, or obviously Giannis, um, you know, I think coming to the year, obviously the Bucks were not a team that people thought of as being really deep. It was, you know, Giannis and, and some complimentary guys. And, you know, again, as in fitting with the discussion around good coaching, breeding good role players, breeding good complimentary players, um, you know, the we, we've seen again the an example of the Bucks winning for a second time without Giannis and really not really not missing him that much just because other guys can step up and um, you know, maybe not a big deal to say the defense played well against the Cavs because <laughs> they're not that hard to look good defensively against. But, um, you know, again, three straight games here where the Bucks defense is, um, I think, really four straight good. games, four straight. Yeah, that's right. Going back even to the middle of last week um, where the Bucks defense has really done well after obviously, you know, some time where people were beginning to wonder, hey, is the Bucks defense, you know, particularly vulnerable? Is it kind of? backsliding into maybe not being a you know top five-ish defense but um good to see you know uh, both against both good and bad teams bucks holding it down and um not proving to be too exploitable even uh, even from the three-point line where they've had some issues yeah and it was just a, a- I mean, pretty ho-hum effort to me. Um, I guess talking about some of the guys that either we haven't seen before or haven't seen a lot of, um, George Hill made his first basket as a buck, two points, two rebounds, two assists in 13 minutes. Uh, Jason Smith got three shots up and did not hit one of them, uh, but did get four rebounds. Um, So, you know, kind of both new faces, getting to see them a little bit. But, you know, when you look at the rest of the bench, there was uh, 31 minutes for Sterling Brown, uh, eight rebounds on the game. He had eight of those in the first, all eight of them in the first half, 12 points. And, um, you know, there's been, I know I saw you tweet about it a little bit today. Someone had asked some questions and some people had asked me about it as well. Um, But looking at that backup two slash three role, I'm not sure exactly what you want to call it, but, you know, Pat Connaughton, Dante DiVincenzo, Sterling Brown, um, you know, people kind of ask like, 
oh, is like what happened to Dante DiVincenzo? Why is he out of the rotation now? And, you know, it, it would, to me, it was that, that injury that he had that took him out for a couple of games. And then, uh, you know, in that time, Connaughton kind of passed him. And uh, then it, I, I'm, I still don't really exactly know why Sterling Brown then kind of passed him as well, but Sterling Brown passed him as well. And, you know, all of a sudden you're in a spot where, you know, I think Sterling Brown's looked really good in the last week or so. Um, he's played some really good basketball, and uh, I, I'm curious to kind of watch and see exactly what happens there. But it, it's turned into a spot where I think Mike Boonholzer has some interesting decisions to make in that spot because Pat Connaughton has been so good. Dante DiVincenzo was obviously good at the start of the year before he got hurt, and now Sterling Brown has had, uh, to me, a really strong week, two weeks or so. And, you know, I think we're we're in a spot where that, that kind of decision and discussion has, has gotten a little bit more interesting for Mike Budenholzer. I, I think it's a good reminder of how long the NBA season is and how many ebbs and flows there are with, with especially rotations on, on the bench guys. Um, and obviously the Bucks have been very consistent, you know, other than injuries here and there. I mean, they've had the same starting five when healthy the entire season, right? Mike Budenholzer has not wavered from the group that really we've seen from the start of camp, basically, he kind of let on pretty early that Brogdon was going to be the starter at two, at the two, and that's what he stuck with. But um, kind of everything beyond that, you know, we we started the year wondering, wow, Dante DiVincenzo, kind of teacher's pet, <laughs> you know, guy that that yep. uh, Budenholzer liked in the draft, uh, had a big hand in in, in bringing to Milwaukee, and um, you know, we kind of wondered, well, what does that mean for guys like Tony Snell and and Sterling Brown, and who? We're just here, right? We're not guys that that Budenholzer specifically went out and and got. Connaughton, obviously, also a guy that that, that was brought in since Budenholzer came on, um, and so it's been interesting. I mean, Con- I mean, it's kind of funny to think, right? I mean, Connaughton didn't even play. I mean, he picked up some DMPs early in the season. Then he really, I think, even before DiVincenzo got hurt, he really started to assert himself as a guy that was going to earn minutes, and then. You know, we saw with, especially with DiVincenzo's injury, then we saw Sterling Brown get some opportunity. And now Brown has sort of supplanted DiVincenzo in, in the lineup. And, um, you know, again, I think it's as simple as the fact that they each kind of bring, uh, all these kind of guys kind of bring something beyond just shooting. Um, and I think the biggest problem for Dante is he's not bringing shooting. And the other guys are to some extent. Yeah. Um, the other guys, to varying extents, have been able to knock down threes. Uh, DiVincenzo has not been bashful. I think he's, you know, looking for that shot, he's he's letting it fly, uh, but he's not making them. I mean, he's at like 26% or something. And, um, you know, we talked kind of in the summer, right, about man, there's maybe a bit concerned there. He shot 40% from three in college, but was a so-so free throw shooter. Looks like he should make threes. Like, I think he has a nice release. You know, I, I mean, it doesn't look like a bad shot. Um, he definitely doesn't go only for wide open shots, so kudos to him for that he's not you know just picking and choosing to only take easy ones um but you know uh as a rookie it's not always easy to adjust to that longer line and and he's definitely had some issues there with making shots even though he does do some other things but sterling brown does other stuff too right he's uh he can mix it up defensively yeah. he's stronger and bigger than kind of all these other guys tony snell um you know has had some i think nice i mean we i don't think we really talked about him uh the other night uh in the toronto game but I mean, he made some plays. We think of him as just, you know, the pure... That floater. You know, yeah, we, we think of him as just sort of like a pure spot-up guy who doesn't really do much, and we kind of wondered if that would hurt him under Bud, but he's shown an ability to, you know, put it on the floor. We've seen him go, like, 
coast to coast a couple times this year. We've seen him use his left hand and attack and, um, you know, get to the rim and finish and um, do some stuff that, that I think is out of what we thought was in Tony Snell's wheelhouse. And so I think that's been encouraging. He's he's probably had the most consistent role, ironically, him and Brogdon of any of the, well, and Bledsoe, obviously. You know, it's been kind of Snell and, and the two starters who've had maybe the most consistent roles, uh, even though... He hasn't always played as much as Connaughton when Connaughton's been in favor, and he hasn't played as much as DiVincenzo when DiVincenzo's been in favor. So kudos to Snell for kind of being you know, steady enough that he's kind of always figured in. He hasn't had injuries. Um, but it's definitely that has been a kind of an interesting thing to watch. I'm sure DiVincenzo will at some point get back in the rotation. You know, somebody's going to get hurt. Somebody's going to go cold. Whatever it might be, the season is long. Um, but that's obviously an advantage when you've got, you know, a, a number of wings who uh, – all can defend a little bit and, and obviously all can do some things offensively. Most of, most of them shoot, but you know, even DiVincenzo obviously can do some other things as far as passing. And, um, you know, I think has some good instincts with the ball. So, uh, you know, I think that's definitely going to be an asset over the course of the season is deal with injuries. And, um, I think it will be interesting to see at the big spots with, you know, we knew Henson was going to be out anyway, you now throw Jason Smith into this mix. I mean, my, I mean, I don't want to take us down a tangent here, Eric, but um, I think you know my feelings on, you know, watching Thonmaker play power forward and, you know, center. And you know, I mean, I think he, he's had some good moments too. Hopefully, I don't want to act like Thon has just been like straight up bad. Um, he's been kind of up and down. Um, but, um, you know, I mean, do I need to see Jason Smith play actual NBA minutes? I know he's stronger than Thonmaker and my guy Christian Wood, but um, yeah, I mean, Jason Smith is is not not particularly good at basketball, uh, so I don't know. I'm let's just say this: I, I, I don't know how much I'm going to enjoy watching Christian Wood like just destroy the G League uh, every night that the herd play, and then see kind of like really meh performances from like you know the Bucks uh, backup big men, especially because Ursan's been pretty meh too um, yeah. since he's come back from the concussion. So. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think if Ursan gets back to full speed, then uh, you don't need to rely on Thon at power forward. But um, I think the backup center spot is still really interesting because Thon is sort of being treated like he's, you know, the clear cut best option there. And I don't know that that's really true. But again, obviously, the organization is very invested in him and picked up his option. So um, we'll kind of see how much patience there is or, you know, do does Wood in particular, does he get a chance at some point? I guess we'll see. And again, not to say that there's going to be some dramatic, you know, massive improvement if you throw in Wood against versus Thonmaker. But, um, you know, I, I think obviously you hope that um, if Wood is also, you know, putting in the work and doing the stuff off the court that you want to see, which is shouldn't always be taken for granted that, um, you know, the fact that he's also putting up good numbers in the G League and doing kind of, you know, has looked totally fine when he's played in games and obviously lower leverage minutes that uh, maybe he'd get a chance to. But again, always good to think that you have players who deserve to play that, that could still stand to get a chance. Um, and as long as you're winning, you know, probably don't need to make too big of a deal of it. I know the other day someone had asked like, Oh, when does, when does Christian Wood get his chance of me? And, you know, I, I, I think I kind of put it like, well, when Thon runs out of chances, and the obvious and like the obvious question to that is when is that? 
and I just have to shrug. I, I don't know. I, I don't know when that is because, um, you know, I, I think both of us have have more than willingly questioned whether or not Thon Maker is an NBA player. Um, my bad. I didn't get high enough on that one. But, um, you know, we, we have talked about that, you know, for a while now. And uh, I don't know that we've seen anything this season that has really – you know, dissuaded us from questioning whether or not he is. So I, I think both of us are, are a little bit more willing to say, well, you know, maybe his chances are up, but it doesn't appear to be, or it doesn't appear that the the organization feels that way at this point. So um, for me, that that's the default answer when trying to answer, you know, when does Christian Wood get his chance? Well, whenever Thon runs out of chances, and I don't know when that will be uh, because I, I don't know, you know, how the organization feels and, I don't know what they what they're exactly looking for with Thon and what they expect and and what's enough to keep him on the floor. So uh, you know we'll have to kind of keep uh, keep an eye on it and just watch it. But um, you know you mentioned the the guard group and you know I just uh, I mean I think there's a lot happening there. Like there's there's a ton of options for Mike Budenholzer and you know he just added another one with George Hill. So, you know, there's yeah, a ton I, didn't of even mention, I didn't even mention George Hill, right. Which is like a really nice yeah. uh, statement about the bucks options there. Yeah. So, you, you know, you're, you're going to throw another guy in there um, that, you know, with George Hill, obviously he plays some point guard, uh, you know, he can play a little bit of off guard. So you're throwing another guy into that mix and, you know, it's just like how many, how many options is too many options. Is there a, a point where, it's all just too much and and you don't even know kind of what direction to go in, what kind of pairs together and you're trying to figure out exactly how it all works. And, you know, it makes me think of our sponsor action heat because they have so many options. They have so many uh, of these great options that you can try to choose from in both men's and women's and all styles and models. You, you know, you have heated jackets, socks, gloves, hats, undergarments, uh, you know, heated base layer shirts, long johns, like they have it all. So how do you try to put together an outfit that's, you know, going to maximize your warmth and also, uh, you know, look good. And, and that's not really a problem with action heat. You, you could throw it all over your body and you'd be totally fine. And you'd be incredibly warm because it's the world's best battery heated clothing, heat on demand, on demand at the touch of a button. Uh, with the, the five volt lithium ion battery, you can get that heat that lasts up to 12 hours on each charge with action heat batteries. So great stuff there. Uh, you can use the promo code locked on at checkout to save 20% or you can go to actionheat.com slash locked on uh, to check out everything action heat has to offer again that's 20% off your entire order if you use the promo code or go to actionheat.com slash locked on so stay toasty warm while you enjoy all your outdoor activities this winter with action heat and of course we thank them for sponsoring the podcast And, you know, when, when you look at all the options that they have, you know, I, I think that's really the thing I've been trying to figure out with George Hill is, and, and that was something I asked Mike Boonholzer the, the day the trade became official. Um, and, you know, as we were getting ready for the Raptors game and George Hill was there and it was like, you know, kind of how does he fit into all this? And I, I think it's really tough to try to figure out because I don't know how those other guys fit into it. And now... 
you you want to add George Hill, which obviously is great and is going to give you more depth. But you know, how does he fit into it? And it, does he entirely bump a couple people out of the rotations? Like, is is the start of uh, George Hill's time where he's more comfortable in Milwaukee? Clearly not in these first two games, but you know, as he gets to know the system, like, is that the end of Pat Connaughton, Dante DiVincenzo, Sterling Brown? Like, uh, whose minutes does he kind of take? Because, uh, you know, there's not a ton of minutes really available on this roster. Um, and again, all those guys, you know, I've had moments where they've been good or where they've been bad. And, you know, maybe he can take the bad minutes of those. But, you know, those good minutes from those guys, I don't know if you're you're necessarily trying to do everything you can to get rid of it. So I, I just think it's going to be really interesting to, to kind of watch with George Hill um, and kind of see what, what the Bucks try to do there. And uh, I, I know you had mentioned before we started recording, there's a couple things about the trade you wanted to mention. Um, I totally forgot to write them down and remember what they are. What were the two things you wanted to talk about with George Hill? Sorry. Well, it's a good thing I'm a professional and I remember the points I want to make. <laughs> Hey, um, I, I'm happy you have it. They, they weren't my points to make. They're yours to make. Yeah. So um, I, I think a couple of things. One, um, I think someone tweeted at me and said, well, hey, now that they got rid of those, um, you know, the, the, the Delian Henson salaries, like, does it make more sense now that they, they picked up the DJ option um, for, for next year? And, and by extension, you can make the same argument for the Thon Maker team option as well. The last year of Thon's rookie deal. Um and I would say no, because, um, I mean, you know, the argument against uh, the DJ option was in part because, you know, you'd be staring at the luxury tax and not being able to sign all these guys. And, I mean, bringing back the current roster, or the, you know, the, basically the current starting five, you're still staring at likely the luxury tax. And, you know, really that second year of the Ursan contract and the DJ Wilson team option and. I, I was I've been less critical of the, the Thon option, um, but you know you could throw that in there as well. I mean, those collectively, I mean, those are going to put the Bucks in a position where they I I think will have to figure out like, do you want to take the luxury tax or do you have to try to figure out some other way to to you know shed salary? Right? I mean, um, you know, is there a team out there that would take Tony Snell for I don't know an expiring salary this year? At, I don't know. I don't know if that's something that they would think about given all the, the wings they have. Um, but, you know, again, like that wouldn't really matter as much um, if, you know, you hadn't given Ursan the second year on his contract, if you hadn't picked up the $3 million option on DJ Wilson. And, um, you know, again, then even if you reduced your salary further somehow so that you weren't staring at the possibility of going into the luxury tax or not going to the luxury tax, um, then, well, then, that's potentially more cap space if you've gotten, you know, so, so I think it, it, to me, it really doesn't change the calculus too much. I I think, you know, again, it's not like the bucks are home free now and, you know, Oh, it's 50 million versus 47 million in cap space. Right. I mean, if that was the case, then it's, I'd probably say it's less of a concern taking on that, you know, 3 million extra, but um, you know, on the margins where the bucks are, I think it's still going to matter a lot that, you know, you have, a $3 million guy who's really a minimum guy that should be making, you know, less than a million bucks a year, you know, relative, relative to, uh, you know, you could get something similar from like a first or second year off the street guy. Um, and again, I mean, DJ Wilson actually has played now a little bit in some of these games. He had a couple threes in that garbage time game. He banked in a three, uh, the other, (laughs) the other night in the first half and, um, hit a, uh, 
tough turnaround and uh after like completely missing on a three he uh the bucks got the ball back and he got an alley-oop after not being guarded so um he actually has looked like a basketball player maybe even an nba basketball player for pretty tiny tiny moments um but i don't think he's really done much in the g league when he's with the herd he's going to be there on wednesday um with wood it looks like so um certainly not like a situation where wood wilson somehow like broken through into you know the the active list even um but so i let's just say i'm a long way from feeling like dj wilson is validated uh him being a, a continued member of you know the long-term uh roster of of the of the team but um but yeah so anyway uh, picking up kind of these marginal deals that that really aren't likely to provide uh you know, surplus value that they, they don't, they don't become good or, you know, really better. Uh, if you kind of cut into your tax problems or your, your, your uh, cap crunch a little bit. So I, I, I'd want to kind of caution against that. And then, um, the other piece that I, you know, I had in my notes, I don't think we really talked about much, but, um, because of the timing of the trade, uh, George Hill technically could be aggregated with, um, another contract before the deadline. I think and it's basically like, you know, you have two months, a two month window or so after a guy gets traded where he can't be aggregated with other salaries to make a con to make a trade like legal, if that makes sense. So, um, you know, you could trade if there was like a trade where you were trading George Hill and, you know, Thon maker for another player that makes what Thon makes and another player that makes what George Hill makes you could make that trade because you can basically treat it as two separate trades and it, it works under the collective bargaining agreement. But the basic idea would be like if you had to combine other salary with um, with George Hill to make a trade legal or something like that, that's what's not allowed. And actually, the example I gave is bad because Thonmaker makes a little money that you could probably make that trade work anyway. But anyway, <laughs> anyway I digress. Uh, getting into cap nerdery here. But um, but basically, like I think the long and short of it is like, and this is not to say this is like is going to happen. Um, but there's more flexibility you have because look, like the Bucks didn't have like big expiring salaries that they could pool with like cheaper assets to make like interesting trades. Whereas now Hill is effectively an expiring contract with that one million dollar uh, guarantee for next year, and obviously he's you know a reasonably useful player. So if a team wanted a guy who could play this year, you know like the Bucks, like he has some value there as well. Um, so in theory, the Bucks could try to make a play for like a bigger contract guy and include Hill as, you know, sort of salary um, filler in, in a deal like that. The flip side, they also just got rid of a, a first round pick. So that obviously would tend to be a pretty good asset to have if you're trying to make a big deal, right? Like, I mean, I'm yeah. just making this up. But if you're trying to make like Bradley Beal trades or something like that, I don't think George Hill and Thon Maker is getting that deal done, right? What? Um, yeah, I know. Uh, you could argue <laughs> that you would have been better off having, you know, a first round pick and trying to figure some other way to uh, to make a package for a guy like Beal. But whatever, you know. I think the bottom line is Hill, obviously, a much more useful asset from a trade perspective than you know Delhi and Henson. Um, and so, does that you know compensate for not having a, another future first round pick you can trade? Maybe, maybe not. Um, but he is an interesting piece. And, um, you know, like, for instance, like, I mean, Trevor Reza's name has been thrown around a ton now in trade rumors. Um, I'm not, 
it's actually an interesting question. Let me eat Steve Von Horn you here. Would you rather have George Hill or Trevor Reza on this team? Trevor Reza is on a one-year, $15 million contract. So, you know, he's an expiring. Hill's basically expiring. You treat him as guys who have one year. They're kind of similarly, you know, in their 30s. Um, so, like, you know, again, like you could ponder, like, well, if you wanted to go after a guy like Ariza, you could use Hill to do that more easily than if you had, like, Delavadova and Henson and, and their long-term contract stuff. Um so let me ask you that, and I'm not suggesting that, that this is something you would want to do or that the Suns would be interested in, but is that of any interest? Like, Do you think like a guy like Ariza, for instance, would be better for this team than a guy like Hill? Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't even know if it's particularly close. Um, and I say that because... You know, when when you look at this team, I think Ariza brings uh, a physicality on the wing that you know just isn't really something that they have a ton of. Uh, yeah, he's, he's just bigger than he's, like, he's bigger than all the other Bucks wings, other than Middleton, really. Yeah, and and like even even Tony Snell, whose defense like I think is good, um, but like Tony Snell's defense is, I'm going to stay with you. I'm going to contest. But, you know, like if you're if you're trying to do some switching, if you're really trying to, you know, put the, you know, put the locks on someone like that's not Tony Snell. Like he he'll he'll do a nice job. Like he'll be around. He'll contest. But like Trevor Reese is kind of that next level type of thing. And, you know, as you think about the Eastern Conference playoffs and and who you might see, like if you're thinking about, oh, coming off the bench, I, I can put George Hill on. Kyrie Irving, where I can put Trevor Reza on Jason Tatum. Yeah, I think Trevor Reza on Jason Tatum sounds a little bit better. And then, you know, if you're thinking about, okay, could I put George Hill on Kyle Lowry or could I put Trevor Reza on Kawhi Leonard? Yeah, I think you're you're going to take Trevor Reza on Kawhi Leonard again. So uh, I just think specifically with this Eastern Conference and with the rosters currently composed that, um, you know, George Hill is in many ways duplicitous of some of the players that you already have on the roster like you know he's he's kind of like malcolm brogdon which you know it's nice to have another malcolm brogdon around but um you know at the same time it's even nicer to have uh, a physical wing around that that can really kind of lock guys down defensively uh, i'm gonna fact check you here eric um duplicitous means like deceitful i think you're going for duplicative um unless you're making comments about oh, george Hill. no no you're right no you are right you are right, you're right. <laughs> he can't be trusted um yeah well, maybe no. he can't be trusted i don't know i don't know him well enough to, to say whether or not he can be yeah I don't, I don't know um but uh yeah it's an interesting question because i think there, i mean there's good arguments for for why you would want a guy like george hill especially on a team like the bucks um for depth, especially in the playoffs. Um, and then there's also good reasons why you'd rather have a guy like Trevor Reza because um, I, I do think the Bucks, uh, like we talked last year about how we didn't really like Middleton as a small ball four. Um, mm-hmm. And Ariza has done that a ton for the Rockets the past couple of years. Um, and, you know, and again, not that he's going to go against real fours, but like when the opponents go small, you can go small with him at the four. You kind of mentioned, you know, some of the teams that might be able to do that, you know, um, especially like Toronto, right? I mean, like I, I think Toronto with all of their interesting um, wing players, kind of like combo forward types, Ariza would be interesting there. I think the question with Ariza, though, is like, is Ariza actually like still 
good or okay or like <laughs> you know like um he has not been let's just say his numbers um have uh have taken a hit playing in phoenix which maybe isn't surprising given it's phoenix rather than um yeah. rather than uh, playing in houston with with chris paul and uh and james harden i think the other interesting thing is like i mean ariza is a guy who would not need to be uh coached on how to uh let it fly because he's been in the d'antoni system the last few years and um, is used to doing that. So, I mean, I think Ariza is a really interesting player, um, a really interesting potential piece for a team like the Bucks, um, especially as you think about like what would make them more versatile in the playoffs. And um, yeah, I, I think there's an argument certainly you've made for, for him being a better fit than, uh, than Hill. Um, although I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm, I don't know. It's, it sounds like that sounds like there's a lot of interest in Ariza a lot of smoke about LA, uh, the Lakers. Um, so I'm not expecting him to end up in Milwaukee, but it's, it is an interesting question as to, um, you know, whether the Bucks would have preferred Ariza if they, you know, could have made a play for him. Um, I mean, I think again, unique circumstance. I, I'm not going to sit here and second guess the Bucks making the deal they did instead of going after Ariza. Cause I just don't, I'm just guessing that the Suns maybe don't take the offer you got from, from the Cavs. So um, not to, to be trying to, to second guess yep. this too much, but um, definitely an interesting question, especially as we think about, you know, not just Ariza specifically, but, you know, you get to buyout season um, down the road, uh, you know, I guess the trade deadline first then buyout season, you know, are there, is there a type of player that you would want to add to this team to kind of round it out as you think about playoff positioning and things like that? So yeah, um, I think are we talked out. I guess maybe talk a little bit about the Pacers. Uh, we don't need to talk a lot about the Pacers. Yeah. I think there's just one note. Uh, Victor Oladipo is listed as questionable with a sore right knee. On Tuesday, he played four on four. Um, you know, and it sounds like there's he's getting closer and closer. So I don't really know if that means that he will play uh, against the Bucks. You know, uh, obviously, if you're the Bucks, uh, it'd be great if he didn't. Uh, because that's just going to make that game a little bit easier for you. But, you know, it does sound like he's getting closer. You know, maybe it's not the worst thing uh, that that he would play because they found flow without, I don't know, you can probably argue it a couple different ways, but the Pacers have won four straight without him. Granted, it's been against Chicago, Orlando, Sacramento, and Washington, um, four of the worst teams in the league, and Milwaukee is very much not one of the worst teams in the league. So, um I think that would be about it with the Pacers, unless there's anything else you think is is important or noteworthy. No, I mean we saw the Bucks win. Uh, I guess this is the home opener against the the Pacers. Um, this is a team that has uh, been ripe to fall into uh, what the Bucks want teams to do against them in terms of shooting a lot of mid range jump shots. Um, Oladipo's typically a big part of that, so um, you know I, I can't say I've been watching the Pacers closely enough to tell you if uh if it's gonna happen again but um you know they don't take a lot of threes they take only 25 threes per game um which is really on the low end um you know the bucks are what still around are they still around 40 i think per game so um that'll be an interesting thing just because obviously we we've talked a lot about the bucks giving up a lot of threes um and the pacers maybe not a team that that isn't as interested in taking those so you know you hope that that uh continues but um, yeah, I mean, certainly Oladipo being out, that, uh, that certainly makes this a game that you f- would feel more in, more pressure to win or you'd be more disappointed to lose if uh, if you lose to the Pacers without Oladipo. But they obviously have pieces. You know, Tiger Evans is coming to the starting five. 
not having a great year by any stretch, especially efficiency wise scoring. Um, but you know, again, maybe just a matter of time before he gets on track a bit. Uh, and I mean, Sabonis has been terrific this year, 69% true shooting, 24 PER, 5.2 box plus minus. I mean, he's just been a beast. Um, I would say I would hazard that, uh, you would take him over Thon Maker, uh, <laughs> who uh, he was, was picked right ahead of him in the that draft. Um, yeah, I don't think you're going on really, really good. That's not a limb. Uh, you're, you're not going out on a limb on saying that one. No, 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 no. Um, but uh, you know, interesting enough though, as we talked about, I mean, they they really don't play him and, and Miles Turner together. So, um, you know, Sabonis has basically been uh, essentially a super sub, just one start this year. So um, we'll see kind of how he does. I think that's really interesting, cause especially with Thon getting so many of the backup minutes. Uh, Thon just seems particularly inclined to getting broken in half and just crushed on the offensive boards by a guy like Sabonis. Uh, so that he held up against Valanchunas. He did. He did. Yeah. Uh, but that was Toronto Thon. That was not. Indiana That's true. Thon. That's true. Very true. Um, so, <laughs> uh, I, so again, like, man, I really hope that. I mean, it's not a great sign if the Bucks really need to go to Jason Smith um, to slow down. Uh, uh, the man is Sabonis, but um, who knows? Maybe, maybe, maybe we will see that uh, just to get some like you know um, beefy white dudes to kind of try to neutralize each other. Um, I guess the other good news: Giannis is listed as probable with his neck soreness, so Whew. hopefully both you and him recover in time for the game uh, on Wednesday. All right, uh, that is going to be it for us for today. Uh, we were brought to you by Action Heat. Again, if you head over to actionheat.com slash lockdown, you can get 20% off your entire order. Or if you use the coupon code lockdown, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at checkout, you will save 20%. So for Frank Men, I'm Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We'll talk to you after the Pacers game. Talk to you then.